Search ETF for your portfolio just got simpler. Filter and compare with the easy ETFs. So those three C's, contributions, consistency, costs. If you focus on that and your investment process, then you are removing a very big part of the anxiety that people and the fear that people have around investments. Welcome to Easy Does It, a podcast by Easy Equities, where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications, your cool guide to investing. Welcome to part two of Easy Does It. My name is DJ at large. <laughs> part two of ETFs made easy with Marina Fisser. What are you currently investing in? I mean, we, we want to know what kind of cakes you're into. You know, I might want to have a slice of, of that cake as well. See if it works for me. What, what are you currently investing in? So I can tell you that every single cent that I have invested is invested in exchange traded funds. Everything. Every single thing. But exchange-traded funds are only ingredients in my overall investment portfolios. So equally important is what containers, what account types do I house my investments in? And here I want to differentiate between three different types. And certainly the very first one where anyone should start with is your tax-free investment account. So having an ETF in a tax-free investment account is exactly the same as having that same ETF in an ordinary investment account. But you don't pay any tax on it. It's so like a healthy that's cake. like exactly. Like a healthy cake. Well, but it's it's like a no-brainer. You know what? It's mm. even better. It's like have all the butter and the sugar that you want, and you're not going to get fat. <laughs> that's the better one for <laughs> the better analogy. Because I think what we're talking about here is that the ETF is just an ingredient in a in a bigger portfolio. The the characteristics of the account type brings with it certain advantages and disadvantages. So each of the ones, and I've mentioned now, a tax-free investment account. That's what we call a tax-exempt account. Then you have what is called tax-deferred accounts. So so that would be anything related to retirement savings, whether it's in a retirement annuity fund or a provident fund, your pension fund that you've got at work, a preservation fund, all of those fall into the tax-deferred category. So there's all sorts of tax advantages up front, but the the liability to pay tax is just deferred. You're going to be doing it sometime later in your life. And then the last, the third version is the taxable accounts. Just an ordinary investment account. We also refer to them sometimes as discretionary accounts because you've got full discretion in terms of how much, what, where. So so tax-free and tax-exempt or RAs have got certain restrictions on them. They come with great tax benefits, but then there are some restrictions. So we know what the good and the bad is about those. Taxable, discretionary, feels great because there are no rules, there are no restrictions or whatever, but there are also no tax benefits. In fact, there's quite a bit of tax implications. So I so often see people starting out their investment journey, diving headfirst into an ordinary investment account, a taxable, a discretionary investment portfolio, not realizing that they're leaving a whole lot of tax benefits on the table. I mean, if SARS, if the tax man says to me, you don't have to pay tax on on this part of the investments that you've got, cheapers, I'm first (laughs) going to do that before I go to that other one. 
So for me, this is another important guidance to first-time investors, new investors. First, make sure that you make maximum use of the tax-free benefits that's available to you before you dive headlong into buying that juicy, sexy share, the one that's shooting the lights out and that's going crazy all over social media. Make sure that you get what is due to you from the tax man. Trust me, you're going to be paying him more than enough over your lifetime. So make sure you get in early and, and get some tax exemption when you can. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I absolutely love that. I, I love everything that you're saying because it makes sense. And I think it gives us a, a holistic picture mm, of mm. what you need to be considering as a first time coming in, in into this. So, you know, Narina, for those who are, are listening they are they've made notes they rewind they fast forward they have the cake they have the ingredients they have all the individuals that bake this cake and put it together what do you say to them to actually take the step what words of encouragement do you have for that individual to say all these cakes are here take one have a taste see how it goes yeah what words of encouragement do you have to those kind of people so i think one of the first most important things is that the money that you use to invest should not be certainly shouldn't come from debt. It certainly shouldn't come from what I call your grocery money. So first step really is to make sure that you earn more than you spend. We want to invest what's left over. So first step, you don't want any debt. You don't want to be in a position where you are borrowing money to go and invest because that just causes all sorts of additional sleepless nights that we certainly don't need. So make sure that you're using money that you can afford to lose. And afford to lose, I use very, very carefully because you will never lose all your money with an ETF investment. They are such well-regulated investment instruments that the value of your investment can fall and it can fall quite dramatically, but it will never go to zero. So this idea that this 100 rand that I'm putting in now tomorrow when I look it's going to be gone, that's never going to happen with an ETF. That would be a fraud, that would be a scam and that's often associated sort of with get rich quick schemes as well. So understand that the risk is not that you're going to lose everything, the risk is just that the value will decline. So that's point number one. The second one is then to say manage your own expectations. What is my expectation in terms of it? And I see so often that people measure the success of their investment process only by one thing and that is the returns that they get the value of my portfolio as if that is the only thing that counts and of course it is important but so much of that is outside of our control so when the markets do really well and your investments do really well you feel like a rock star you feel like you're invincible i'm the sharpest cookie in the in the cutter box here i'm the best ever when markets fall, then what? Now you feel all despondent and I'm stupid and I don't know how to do this and how, why did I ever get involved in it? No. Measure your success on the process, on the steps that you take that's within your control. In other words, if your strategy is I'm going to invest 100 Rand every month at the end of the month, at the end of the month, at the end of six months, ask yourself, how many months did I do that? And if you did that every single month for the six months, you get an A double plus for process, for doing the right things. And sticking to the process as well. Sticking to the process. Absolutely. The result, the value of your portfolio is really largely then the result of the market. And we can go, get sleepless nights worrying about the value of our investments when most of that is outside of our control. So I always say to people, focus on the three C's to to sort of really calm the storm, to control 
control, the, the, the anxiety that you might feel around um, investments. So the first C is about your contributions that you make, because that's within your control. How much money do I actually put in? The second C is consistency, doing this, uh, the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Consistency, it's a habit. It's like a, whether it's a habit in terms of diet or in exercise or um, learning a new skill, it's exactly that same habit. So the consistency of it. And the third C is costs. Ultimately, we are all investing in the same market. I refer to that as the level of the ocean. The ocean is high tide and low tide. All the boats at high tide are high. All the boats at low tide is low. It's exactly the same for us. So me, retail investor, you, institutional, professional investor, we're all in the same ocean in terms of this. Costs is the factor that weighs down our boat. The higher my costs, the heavier my boat, and therefore the lower my boat is going to be on that tide level, whatever that tide level might be. So I cannot control the level of the ocean. I cannot control the level of the market. But I can control my costs. So on a relative basis, the lower my costs, the less I'm paying away towards cost, the higher my boat is going to be relative to the one that's a high cost. So those three C's, contributions, consistency, costs. If you focus on that and your investment process, then you are removing a very big part of the anxiety that people and the fear that people have around investments. And yes, look at the value of your of your portfolio, look at the performance or whatever, but think that cake. You are just looking through that glass door of the oven. This is not about expecting to sit down and eat a fully baked cake five minutes into the process. So manage your own expect, expectations in this way and you will find that you are a lot less anxious to actually do this thing oh man that's absolutely amazing and as you talk about costs uh, i'm starting to also think about cakes which might mean i'm getting a bit hungry and i'm thinking about <laughs> the cost of the cake mm, like mm. now that you bring up cost yeah. how do i know how much this cake costs i know that i'm paying this much in terms of what i'm contributing yes but how do i figure out how much the cake costs and why do cakes have different prices if we're all using the same ingredients why is one more expensive than okay. another right so let's think go back to the idea of exchange traded fund in other words you're investing in a fund so there is a physical fund that underpins this investment that you're buying and that fund is really sort of the you know going back to our cake analogy that's sort of the the, the bowl with my whole cake in it mm. and so on so the total expense ratio or the TER is something which is a required disclosure for all funds. So yeah. all funds actually have to say what the costs went into putting together this cake. How much did it cost us to bake this? So I can go and I can look and compare also different types of cakes in terms of what went into it. I'm going to go back to our cake analogy again. I might be baking or buying a chocolate cake that is made with really cheap and crappy ingredients. You know, it's like the margarine instead of the butter or it's using like knockoff, um, you know, chocolate rather than rich, dark Belgian chocolate or whatever. Clearly, the costs of those two, the, the total expense ratio, if I can yes. put it that way, is going to be quite different. So that's a way for you to try and assess the cost of the underlying product. But then there's also the cost of actually acquiring it, of buying it. So because it is exchange traded, it means you're buying a listed security. You are buying something which is listed on the stock exchange and there are certain regulatory costs associated with it. It's costs that we can't avoid. And in fact, we should be very happy to pay those costs because they bring us protection. 
The fact that we've got to pay those regulatory costs, that we've got to pay the investor protection levy, those sort of things, is all for protection for us. So, in fact, if I see something that says this is a zero-cost investment, I run a mile. Something is because not right. Something's not right. Something is not right. They're making up the money somewhere else or they're plain lying to you. So be careful not to be duped by this idea of zero cost. You are paying. You just don't know where you're paying. But then the last point that you made, and you know, why would an ETF or an exchange-traded fund be more cost-effective maybe than buying those ingredients yourself? So it largely comes down to economies of scale. Because here we are dealing with a large-scale bakery that doesn't just bake a single chocolate cake. They bake thousands of cakes every day. So they can buy their ingredients in bulk, which which is a lower cost than me buying my three eggs on its own to bake my cake. They are um, mixing this in big industrial mixers, so they've, they've got efficiency there. They don't need to use a lot of energy to go and hand whisk that batter together. They are baking them in large industrial ovens, meaning they can bake 20 cakes at a time, whereas my little oven at home, I can only do one at a time. And so when you start appreciating the economies of scale that comes with an exchange-traded fund, you appreciate why the cost of the ETF, it's just one of the many reasons why, but it is a reason why exchange-traded funds, ETFs, are so much more cost-effective than anything else. Of course, one of the most important things is that we spoke about following the index, tracking the index. In other words, the decision Decisions around what to put into the cake, into the ETF, is already predetermined by the index. There is not a Heston Blumenthal who is sitting there and who needs to be paid exorbitant amounts of money because he's got this flair and this magic secret sauce ingredient, which is what an actively managed fund would be. So the actively managed funds, one of the big cost components there is the manager fee, the fee that is paid to the guy that makes the decisions of what goes into the index. And of course, there's more than enough evidence that we have around the world is that although there would always be some managers that can perform better than the index, the overall market, the the vast majority of them cannot do so. The the average number is around 85% of all actively managed funds cannot perform better than the index. And the biggest problem that we have is the 15% or so that over any point in time can outperform the market and do outperform the market changes all the time. So I can today stand here and look back and say, which were those actively managed funds that outperformed in the past? But where I sit here today, I've got absolutely no idea which fund should I choose today to give me that outperformance in future. And that is one of the biggest challenges that we have. And if you then think that your cost, going back to my boat sort of analogy, I would rather be in a, in a nice, light, low-cost boat and get the full benefit of the tide of the ocean than being weighed down by a high-cost, you know, sort of heavy um, uh, boat that pulls me down in terms of the level of the ocean. I know in the past you listed two ETFs on, on the JSE. And it's another random question to, 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 to close things down. If you had to list a brand new ETF, so a brand new cake, if you want to put it like that, <laughs> what would you call it? <laughs> Lovely question. So so first and foremost, I would not do it again. Been there, done that, got the stretch marks. <laughs> I, I'm a note, but in, in seriousness, I much prefer now being in a position where I can select all these different ETFs and put together portfolios for clients that use those. But yes, the, the two ETFs that I listed back in the days, were we did so under the brand name 
better beta. And the idea was really, you know, beta is supposed to be another lovely financial jargon, but it's really sort of talking about the, the average market performance. And we said here, we've got something that's going to give you better beta, you know, not just a beta, but a better beta. One of the names that we, we toyed with, and if I had to choose a name today, I think I still quite like that name. I quite favored the idea of one for all. Or even all for one. So it's really, but the one for all, the idea really was that you would be using a single investment to give you all of the investments that you need. And I guess to some extent, one invest is really sort of playing on that same theme. So one invest is is the Standard Bank and Stan Lib ETF offerings that we've got. But you know, we've got some beautiful brand names in, in our market. Um, the original one, of course, Satrix. Lovely story around the name Satrix. The original name that they intended was was actually matrix as in market tracker index but just about at the time when they were going to launch the first one the movie the matrix came, came out. out so it's like okay <laughs> that's not gonna work so let's go for satrix satrix the south african tracker index fund and then similar to that signia uses the brand name itrix again index tracker fund um, then we've got for example new funds which is the apsa brand name think remember i said exchange traded fund it is just a fund so just like a unit trust is also a fund and this was just a new type of fund so even that name for me is, is very very nice i, I never then you've thought got, that the names had so yeah, much thinking think, i just thought it sounded cool yeah this think is core shares core shares really said here is a share that you're buying because you're buying a single etf on the on the JC, but it can be the core of your portfolio. So another name with a lot of significance. So you know what? I think our ETF issuers have done a great job in terms of, of choosing beautiful names. I'm very happy to just use all of these different cakes in my whole um, buffet, my high tea that I put forward for my investors. <laughs> oh man, what a wonderful high tea on the Easy Does It podcast. Narina, thank you so much. How do, we, how do we connect with you? Where are you? Where do we find you? Well, I'm sitting right here in front of you at the moment but for those listening to the podcast you can certainly find me on social media my personal um, Twitter handle at Narina underscore Fisser um, same also on Twitter for ETFSA at ETFSA the ETFSA.co.za website really is an amazing source of everything free information about ETFs ETFSA are the ETF specialists it's the only thing that we do we specialize in terms of that and really therefore is a one-stop shop in terms of information, education, understanding about everything ETFs. So yeah, look out for us on social media. We're on Facebook as well and so on. Um, and love to hear from you. So, you know, send me a tweet. There's, of course, also the ETF Investor podcast that I host. Um, so you will find that also on all of the major podcast platforms. And uh, if you tweet us on that one, hashtag ETF Investor, and I will get those. And yes, please do engage. Let's take this conversation further forward and let's continue to empower people through the knowledge and understanding because that's really ultimately where true empowerment is going to come from. And that's what we do on Easy Does It from cakes to ingredients to bakers to everything you need to know about ETFs 101. Thank you so much, Narina, for joining us, for being with us. And of course, for you guys listening, rewind Make your lists, ask your questions. Easy does it, that's how we do. A big shout out to you for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter and Insta. Our handle is at Easy Equities.